Welcome to Meeting with God. Meeting with God is the radio teaching ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus. We're in the middle of a series called Joseph, but God meant it for good. And today we're going to listen to the first part of a message called Repentance, Forgiveness, and Reconciliation, Part 2, The Offended. Let's go to the text. Now today we're going to be looking at forgiveness. What do I do when someone has offended me? How, how is it possible that evil that has been done to me could turn and be used for good and that I would be able to even forgive a significant offense? The title this morning is Repentance, Forgiveness, and Reconciliation Part 2, The Offendee. Now last week we looked at the offender. Um, what do I do? How, how does God lead me to repentance? Today we're going to look at what happens if I'm the person that's been offended and what do I do? Now I want to begin by saying this. Forgiveness, absent of God, absent of God's perspective, absent of God's intervention is nonsense. Forgiveness apart from God is in our culture in our normal way of doing things, nonsense. But when we see our story within God's bigger story, forgiveness offered is amazingly beautiful. Let's begin reading Genesis chapter 43. We're going to be reading a lot of verses. In fact, today we might be setting the record for the most amount of verses in a sermon. So if you're ready to read and you're ready to read fast, say go. All right, let's go. Chapter 43, verse 15 Um, All the brothers, now with Benjamin and with the gift from Jacob, are about to go back to Egypt. Here we go, verse 15. So the men, the 11 brothers, took this present from Jacob, and they took double the money with them and Benjamin. And they arose and went down to Egypt and stood before Joseph. And when Joseph saw Benjamin, first time he had seen his brother, his closest brother, 22 years With them, he said to the steward of his house, bring the men into the house and slaughter an animal and make ready, for the men are to dine with me at noon. And the steward did as Joseph told him and brought the men to Joseph's house. And the brothers were afraid because they were brought to Joseph's house. And they said, it is because of the money which was replaced in our sacks the first time that we are brought into his house so that he may assault us and fall upon us and make us servants and seize our donkeys. Now look up here really quick before we go back to the text. Here's one thing you can learn. When we have offended someone and not dealt with the offense, when we're sitting on something that, and not dealing with it, it is amazing how we will fear the same thing happening to us. It is the thing that they fear that they had done to Joseph. And now they feel that God is working through it and it's about to... Well, here we'll continue the story, verse 19. And so they went up to the steward of Joseph's house and spoke to him at the door of the house. And they said, oh, my Lord, we came down the first time to buy food. And when we came to the lodging place and we opened our sacks, there was each man's money in the mouth of his sack, our money in full weight. Uh, So we have brought it again with us. We don't want you to think that we're trying to cheat you. And we brought other money down with us to buy food. We do not know who put the money in our sacks. But the steward replied, peace to you. Do not be afraid. Your God and the God of your father has put treasure into your sacks for you. I received your money. Then he brought Simeon out to them. And when the man had brought the men into Joseph's house and given them water and they had washed their feet, and when he had given their donkeys fodder, they prepared the present for Joseph's coming at noon, for they heard that they should eat bread there. Now put yourself in Joseph's place. 
Joseph had seen his brothers for the first time in 22 years. Then he sent them back, hoping that they would bring Benjamin back, and he had been waiting. And if you remember the previous passage, they delayed because Jacob would not allow Benjamin to go on this trip because he was afraid of losing the last child of his favored wife. And he delayed and delayed, and you can imagine every day that went by where Joseph was looking at all the new people coming to buy grain, wondering, is this the day when my brothers finally come back? And finally it comes. Now the question in his mind, what am I going to do when they come back? Am I going to forgive them and pursue reconciliation, or am I going to do what? Now last week as we were going through the passage, we looked at three phases of reconciliation for the offender. Now we're going to look at three phases in reconciliation for the offendee. The discussion about forgiveness has an ultimate goal, and that is reconciliation. That's what we're seeing in this, te- in this text. And I want to put up a screen here. If we're trying to understand what God wants us to do, God calls us to forgive. But some of us are like, well, when do I forgive, and, and, and how do I make that go about? Well, in phase one, Whenever you're offended, and again, if you're here and you're like, well, do I do this every time anyone offends me? I hope you don't. As I said from Proverbs last week, uh, it's to one's glory to overlook an offense. If you get offended all the time, if you're just that person, I, get, I can't wait to get offended. I just get offended. I get excited when I get offended because you need Jesus, okay? But we're talking about a significant offense, something that we make note of that we need to address The first phase of forgiveness is to forgive the offender before the Lord. I want you to remember this. Remember when Jesus was on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. They weren't, the offenders were not asking forgiveness at that point. They were not saying, oh, we're doing it wrong. No, they were in the process of crucifying Jesus when he said that. And then if you scoot ahead into Acts, Acts chapter 7, Stephen's being martyred. He does the same thing. He says, Father, forgive them. The Lord's prayer, Father, forgive us our debts as we have forgiven those who have trespassed against us. That's to forgive the offender before the Lord. But then, hopefully, in some situations, if God is going to reconcile that relationship, we need to do a second phase, and that is when the offender comes to an awareness of what they've done, and they come, and they ask for forgiveness. Some of us are like, well, what do I do then? Because I'm not sure if they've changed. What if they're just playing, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry that I got caught. I'm so sorry that I, what if I don't know if they're really, really sorry? What if I don't know if they're repenting? Well, I love what God's word tells us and that I'm just gonna scoot to the New Testament really quickly. Luke chapter 17, verse three says, pay attention to yourselves. If your brother or sister sins, rebuke him or her. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and turns to you seven times. Some of me wants you to stop here and go, you need a new brother. Saying, I repent. You must forgive him. Now, that Greek word for repentance is metanoia. It's the comparable one to the Old Testament we talked about last week, shuv. It means I'm going in one direction, and I'm hurting people, and I'm sinning. But then God gets a hold of me, and I turn, and I come back to God. Again, if you're the person that is the forgiver, your greatest concern is not that the offender comes back to you and says they're sorry. The greatest concern of your heart is that the offender turns back toward God. Because when a person's heart is right with God, it's only a matter of time till they want to deal with the other people that they've hurt. Again, phase two, forgive the offender if asked in repentance. Rebuke them, but then forgive. And then finally, the last le- the level, or phase three, is reconciliation. And I realize that I'm, just as God is working in Joseph in a deep way, I'm poking around in some sensitive areas. 
For some of you who have been offended in this room, the person that deeply offended you in your life might not be alive anymore. Might be a parent, could be an ex-spouse. There are some cases in which there is, let's say, an adultery, and the offending partner goes off and remarries. And there's a situation where there can never be a total restoration. You can't put that marriage back together, but that doesn't mean that there can't be a restoration to a limited extent of being in a good place with someone. Now, each situation is different, but the goal is that we are in a good place where I could be around that person in the same room, and it wouldn't, I, I don't want to, whatever. So what does Joseph do? Here's his 10 brothers. How is he going to move ahead with them? Let's go back to the text, verse 26. And when Joseph came home, they, they brought into the house to him the present that they had with them and bowed down to the ground. And he inquired about their welfare and said, is your father well, the old man of whom you spoke? Is he still alive? Can you imagine what was going through Joseph's mind? In all this process of reconciliation, the months he'd been waiting for them, what's on his mind is, whatever happens in this reconciliation with my brothers, will I have enough time to see my father alive before he dies? And they said, your servant, our father is well. He is still alive. Imagine Joseph's stomach just settling down. And they bowed their heads and prostrated themselves, and he lifted up his eyes, and he saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son, and said to him, is this your youngest brother of whom you spoke to me? God be gracious to you, my son. Then Joseph hurried out, for his compassion grew warm for his brother, and he saw a place to weep. And he entered his chamber, and he wept there. Then he washed his face and he came out and controlling himself, he said, serve the food. And they served him by himself and them by themselves and the Egyptians who were with him by themselves because the Egyptians could not eat with the Hebrews for that is an abomination to the Egyptians. And they sat before him, the firstborn according to his birthright and the youngest according to his youth. And the men looked at one another in amazement. They go, this guy has a connection to God. How does he know how to put us all in order? I know that because when I was a, I'm one of seven. And when I go out with my siblings, occasionally we all get together. We, we have this game. We offer to the waitress or waiter that if they can put us all in order, we'll give them an, an enormous tip. And the, the amazing thing, no one's done it yet. So I know how to play that game, but clearly Joseph knows so much more and he's seated them. Verse 34, and portions were taken from them uh, to them from Joseph's table. But Benjamin's portion was five times as much as any of theirs and they drank and were married with him. As we're going through the text today, like I talked about last week, there's ingredients in repentance. There's some necessary ingredients. If you're baking a cookie, there needs to be sugar, there needs to be eggs, there needs to be chocolate chips if this is going to be a legitimate cookie. And in the same way, if we're going to forgive as God calls us to forgive, there are some necessary ingredients. I want to look at seven ingredients quickly here. They're in no particular order. We're just going to see them coming right out of the text. Here first, necessary ingredients in the process of forgiveness, grieve loss. Now often this is not talked about when we're thinking about forgiveness, but you see it throughout this text. It says that Joseph's compassion grew warm for his brother. He weeps. One of the things you notice through the thread of Joseph's engaging, it goes back and forward. You're going to see him weeping. Joseph had taken all that had gone on to him, and he, you remember he named one of his sons, God has made me forget my family, 
And yet God has a way of drilling down to the place of pain and bringing up, and that's where Joseph's at. There's a lot of Joseph weeping as these emotional situations wash over him. Now, some people here would tell you, well, just, you know, if you're a guy, guys don't cry. Or, you know, just suck it up, deal with it, forgive them, we'll deal with it in heaven. Listen, that's not true. Emotionally healthy believers lament. No matter what happens in the reconciliation with his brothers, Joseph has lost 22 years with his father that he will never get back. There's a biblical principle of lamenting. There's a whole book in scripture devoted to lament. It's called Lamentations. It's Jeremiah lamenting what had happened to the people of God, even when they were being disciplined for their own sin. There are psalms of lament. Jesus lamented over Jerusalem because of their wickedness. Lament, crying out to God, weeping and grieving loss. Pastor Luke Aarons from Vertical Church. You know, I love that you're listening to Meeting with God, but I got a question for you. Are you doing the Christian life in isolation? At Vertical Church Columbus, we live out biblical community, not only through our weekend services, but also in grace groups. These small groups meet across the city weekly to encourage one another and care for one another and study God's word together. You know, if you don't have Christians around you in your journey with Christ, let me invite you to Vertical Church. Go to verticalchurch.life. That's the first of necessary ingredients. Let's look at another one. Chapter 44, verse 1. Then he commanded the steward of the house, fill the men's sacks with food as much as they can carry, and put each man's money in the mouth of his sack, and put my cup, the silver cup. Come on, every dad here knows you got my cup, right? This is his cup. In the mouth of the sack of the youngest with his money, for the grain, and the steward did as Joseph told him. And as soon as morning was light, the men were sent away with their donkeys, and they had gone only a short distance from the city. Now Joseph said to his steward, Up, follow after the men, and when you overtake them, say to them, Why have you repaid evil for good? Is it not from this cup that my Lord drinks, and by this that he practices divination? You have done evil in doing this. When he overtook them, he spoke to them these words. And they said to him, Why does my Lord speak such words as these? Far be it from your servants to do such a thing. Behold, the money that we found in the mouth of our sacks, we brought back to you from the land of Canaan. We're honest. How then could we steal silver or gold from your Lord's house? Whichever of your servants is found with it shall die. We're so, con- we're so convinced of our innocence. We also will be my Lord's servants. And the steward said, let it be as you say. He who is found with it shall be my servant, and the rest of you shall be innocent. Then each man quickly lowered his sack to the ground, and each man opened his sack. And he searched, beginning with the eldest and ending with the youngest. And the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. Notice what happens next. Then they tore their clothes. Every man loaded his donkey, and they returned to the city. Here's the second necessary ingredient And the process of forgiveness leaves space for God to work in hearts. Now we all know this. Even the first time the brothers came, Joseph had the power over them. Just as the brothers had had power over Joseph, now Joseph has power over the brothers. He could have punished them and Joseph might never have even, or I'm sorry, Jacob might never have even known what happened to his his sons. And yet that wasn't Joseph's heart. Joseph was willing to leave space for God to work in the hearts of his brothers. So he sets up this test to see if they had truly experienced heart change and then to prove the heart change. 
Now remember this, God's heart is for mercy and reconciliation, and we can see it in the life of Joseph. Now I want to quickly put up the three phases of reconciliation for the offender. We talked about this last week. I want to throw this back up again. So the offender, phase one, is where I come to a conviction that I hurt someone. I need to see that I hurt someone. This is where the Holy Spirit is working in someone. Then grieving my sin. I'm grieving that I hurt someone. And then confession, I'm sorry. People need to see it, to be sad about it, and to be sorry about it. But this is only phase one. Now phase two is repentance. That's where someone's not just sorry. I'm not just sorry I got caught. I'm not just sorry that it it hurt some people. I'm not just sorry that it messed up something. I'm genuinely sorry that I have offended a holy God and I turn my heart back toward God and repent before God and then repent. It's about a heart change at the deepest level. Now again, for someone who's been the offender, which includes all of us, we are all the offender at some point, repentance, then the fruit of repentance, which means my heart is changed toward the Lord, but then I actually walk that out in change, even if it's messy. And then the phase three, reconciliation. Now think about this. Joseph had seen phase one the first time his brothers came. As he listened to their response, and they began to acknowledge what we're experiencing here is God judging us for what we did to Joseph. He knew they'd experienced phase one. What he wanted to see is if they were at phase two. Because before he was going to reconcile the relationship, he needed to see that their hearts were different. Look back at verse 14. They've returned to the city. Now notice that Judah is going to become a key player here. Judah was, if you remember back in 37, chapter 37, Judah was the one that said, hey, let's not kill our brother. Let's get something out of this. Let's sell him. Perhaps Judah is the one that needed to repent the most, or he's the poster boy for the need for repentance. Verse 14 says, when Judah and his brothers came to Joseph's house, he was still there. Joseph knew they were coming back. And they fell before him to the ground. And Joseph said to them, what deed is this you have done? Do you not know that a man like me can indeed practice divination? It's not saying he did do it, but he, as an Egyptian leader of that caliber, potentially could. Verse 16, and Judah said, what shall we say to my Lord? What shall we speak? Or how can we clear ourselves? God has found out the guilt of your servants. Behold, we are my Lord's servants, both we and he also in whose hand the cup has been found. But Joseph said, far be it from me that I should do so. Only the man in whose hand the cup was found shall be my servant. But as for you, go in peace to your father. What is Joseph doing here? It's interesting that Judah says that God has found us out. Now, we know as the reader that Joseph did this. He set them up. But what's happening is the brothers, again, thinking back to the previous chapters, the brothers are aware that what they did to Joseph over two decades ago, God is dealing with in their lives, and they see the connection. Now, as I said last week, sometimes it takes some time before God is able to work in the offender, before they're able to connect the dots and truly come to repentance. But that's what's happening, and they're making the connection. God has found us out for things we've done that you as the leader of Egypt have no idea, but God is working. Joseph is testing their hearts before God, and maybe you're like, well, why is he doing it this way? We'll make the link like this. Benjamin, Joseph could read between the lines and all the brothers were saying he knew that Benjamin now in his absence, 
Benjamin was, Benjamin was now the favorite child of Jacob. And what Joseph was doing is he was testing them. Because here, they have a legitimate opportunity to get, I mean, who loves having a favorite child in the family? If you're one of the siblings, some of you grew up in a painful family situation with where one of your parents loved one kid, and we all know who the favorite child is, and then there's the rest of us. Well, now they have a legitimate chance to say, Benjamin, what'd you do, bro? We're going to lose you in Egypt, and we'll finally be done with all of Rachel's kids Now one of us can actually be loved. Joseph is testing to see what they will do. Now again, repentance is a change of heart. Look back at the text. This is one of the most beautiful and passionate speeches, certainly in Genesis, maybe in all of Scripture, where it reveals a repentant heart. Then Judah went up to him, verse 18, and said, Oh, my Lord, please let your servant speak a word into my Lord's ears, and let not your anger burn against your servant. For you are like Pharaoh himself. My Lord asked his servants the last trip, Have you a father or a brother? And we said to my Lord, We have a father, an old man, and a younger brother, the child of his old age. His brother is dead, and he alone is left of his mother's children. And his father loves him. Then you said to your servants, Bring him down to me that I may set my eyes on him. And we said to my Lord, The boy cannot leave his father, for... If he should leave his father, his father would die. Then you said to your servants, unless your youngest brother comes, unless your youngest brother comes down with you, you shall not see my face again. And when we went down to your servant, my father, we told him the words of my Lord. And when our father said, go again, buy us a little food, we said, we cannot go down. If our youngest brother goes with us, then we will go down. For we cannot see the man's face unless our youngest brother is with us. Then your servant, my father, said to us, you know that my wife bore me two sons. One left me. And I said, surely he has been torn to pieces. This is where Joseph learns what his father thinks of where he's really at or what happened to him. And I've never seen him since. If you take this one, Benjamin, also from me, and harm happens to him, you will bring down my gray hairs in evil to Sheol or death. Now, therefore, as soon as I come to your servant, my father, and the boy is not with us, then as his life is bound up in the boy's life, as soon as he sees that the boy is not with us, he will die, and your servants will bring down the gray hairs of your servant, our father, with sorrow to Sheol. For your servant became a pledge of safety, For the boy to my father saying, if I do not bring him back to you, then I shall bear the blame before my father all my life. Now, therefore, please let your servant remain instead of the boy as a servant to my Lord and let the boy go back with his brothers. For how can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? I fear to see the evil that would find my father. Listen, Judah does the opposite of chapter 37. In chapter 37, he tried to get rid of the favored child. Now he's offering to make himself the slave to get the favored child back to his father. It's a totally different state of heart. Listen, Joseph did not crush his brothers or take vengeance. He waited to see if God had changed them. Then begins a beautiful scenario, one of the most beautiful chapters Joseph is hearing all of this. Judah is standing before him passionately asking to be the slave instead of Benjamin. 
Then Joseph could not control himself before all those who stood before him, and he cried, Make everyone go out from me. And no one stayed with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers, and he wept aloud so that the Egyptians heard it, and the household of Pharaoh heard it. They had kind of open houses. They could, the, the sound would have traveled. And Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed in his presence. Now, just imagine this for a second. If the next verse, verse 4, were to record Joseph saying, Hey, guys, I'm Joseph. I need to apologize for some things. You know, the old me, the, the kid you knew, I was kind of a snarky, favored child. I kind of rubbed it in your faces. I was kind of a, I wasn't the best brother I could have been. Would you guys please forgive me? How many of us would go out on a limb and say they would have been very willing to forgive right away? Now, most of us, when we think about this text, we put ourselves in Joseph's place. The truth is, we are more Joseph's brothers than we are Joseph. Thank you so much for listening to Meeting with God, the radio ministry of Vertical Church in Columbus, Ohio, located at 1290 Old Henderson Road. Vertical Church is not only passionate about the preaching of God's Word, but also praying for God to work in the lives of those in our church, our city, and our world. If you have a prayer request, we would love to pray for you. Please take a moment and head to our website, verticalchurch.life, and visit our prayer wall. There you can leave a prayer request, either publicly or anonymously, and you can know that Vertical Church will be praying for you. As always, we hope to find you here tomorrow at this very same time for your meeting with God. Meeting with God is the teaching ministry of Vertical Church Columbus. For more information, go to verticalchurch.life.